challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hey, so good to have you. Thank you for joining us from all over the country. If you were here, you'd be here. And if you were here, you'd be enjoying. I know I say this every week. And I say I know I say this every week. But somehow or another, we outdo. And when I say we, I don't mean me. Because I, I don't cook the food. I don't think up the recipes and all. But oh my lands, the food this time. There was about... How many minutes? I don't know before we started the show and I wasn't going to eat because of just so few minutes. Ten. And then I was smelling about 10 minutes and then I was smelling everything. Oh, man. So good. So, so good. And uh, so we really appreciate uh, the local KHLA coming in, the, the folks, the live audience. We really appreciate that. Of course, Buckeye is here. So that's always good to have her here keeping me safe. You know, this is a sketchy group. So I uh, really appreciate that. I want to before I get started, I want to by the way, chat is open. If uh, and then I don't. Hello, Alaska is in the house. Good to see you, brother. He's uh, I'm greener and he's brown. So uh, anyhow, I just really uh, really appreciate you joining me and uh, any of you who are able to join us during chat. So I get this out of the way first. Our uh, hit our website theninjapastor.com or drshongreener.com. Sign up for the little thing will pop up and you just put your name and, and your email in there and that'll be cool. Uh, you'll get updates what all we're doing. And if you're a church or an organization in the United States uh, and you'd like to have come hear me speak, just contact us through the contact me page. We'll do that. Follow me on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and follow me on Facebook. That'd be awesome. That'd be super good. So starting off, I just want to say uh, my buddy uh, Eric is in the hospital. He's, been, he's, uh, he's having a hard time of it. And I just went saw him and uh, I just saw him and he was okay. And then so quickly, he's not okay. So uh, let's, uh, you know, be thinking about him all across the country and around the world. If you're praying type, if you pray for Eric, also pray for my buddy Don, uh, fighting ironically the same disease, and uh, and then my buddy Chris uh, out in Minnesota, uh, and hello to the Kahalen family, and a happy Mother's Day to all the Kahalen and Ellingson uh, moms. Happy Mother's Day to all of y'all, all y'all moms. That's it's awesome, it's an awesome thing you deserve. You definitely deserve it. Uh, Mother's Day, uh, I think, ought to be many days during the year. Uh, mom is a tough job, especially if you're an incredible mom. I know some really incredible moms. We were privileged to spend time with an incredible mom yesterday, weren't we? Had a lot of fun. Went down to see my mom, and she was she was she was spry. And uh, so we we really enjoyed that. She's 87 years old. Wonderful mom. You thought her being so wonderful, she's done a better job with me, but 
Hey, pray for her. She did the best she could do. You know that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what, what did you say? I want to repeat it to the audience. I said, you got hit by a car. I got hit by a car. We can use that language. 92 miles per hour. Somebody said one time, they said, you keep saying you got hit by a car. What, ha what happened? So I laid it out. I had a paragraph written on it. And uh, they always say, man, I just don't see how you could survive. And then I send them the pictures. And they're like, uh, yeah, I don't see how you could survive. So that was all by the grace of God. And uh, those of you who don't know, we just found out that uh, the live audience here knows, and maybe some in the, the uh, radio audience know, I did die. We didn't know that. Um, the, the doctors, isn't it funny? The doctors kept asking, did you ever lose consciousness? And I was all proud. Nope. Not that I know of. I didn't lose any consciousness, you know. And uh, in fact, somebody, they, they uh, came up to the car and wanted to know that I have a fire extinguisher. And I said, yeah, you can help me get this door open. I'll, I'll help you look for it. <laughs> he said, mister, you're not going anywhere. So, but yeah, there, there's a, I'll tell you what, there's a lot to pray for. This is a, this is, we live in a society where there's a lot going on, don't we? And I count it a privilege to be able to address so many people, both live and and in uh, and, and using the benefit of the radio broadcast. Uh, we're also on Wednesdays. By the way, if you didn't get a chance to listen, we were jamming on it before uh, we went live here. If you don't, uh, if you so far haven't listened to, listened to Wednesday's show, you've got to listen to Wednesday's show. Boy, that was fun. That was real fun. Um, this past Wednesday's show, it was just really something. That fellow is a neat guy. The Scooter Brown Band, which uh, Sean and Angie introduced me to them, and I am hooked. And uh, but but uh, Scott, who begrudgingly is called Scooter, and he doesn't even like a nickname, but he's got it though. That's he's just going to have to deal with it. He was on, and I tell you, for a hardcore rocker and veteran, uh, Marine Corps veteran, combat veteran, uh, boy, they put out some good music. But he is a nice guy. Really super nice guy. So I'd encourage you to listen to it. If you haven't listened to it, even if you're not into rock and roll, play basically two songs uh, in the open on Wednesday. We played their one song, which is uh, about uh, veterans, and then and then we played the song Olivia. Play if I make it out alive. Yeah. If I make it out alive, yeah. And uh, then we played Olivia. Played him out when when he finished the interview. That's real engaging. He's a real nice guy. Super super nice guy. And boy, they put out some good music. Just rocking music. So we're just. Uh, we were real privileged to have them, and, and we thank Sean and Angie for staying on my case about getting in touch with them. So today, today's interesting. Um, I started to realize, hello there, Craig, in upstate New York. I hope you don't have snow. I hope you don't have snow. Boy, I always hear the forecast. He, he's all the time giving me the forecast and telling me, well, we have 17 feet of snow, and then we've got Alaska up there, but uh, we expect to have good lands. We don't want any snow. It's time. We're, by the way, I'm not a weatherman. I don't even play one on television, but we're going to have 90 degrees. Uh, what is it? Sometime this week, 90 degrees in humid. We're going from, somebody said it in here. We're going from uh, from uh, winter to summer. summer, skipping over spring altogether. But it's been real, real pretty, and we're, we're very fortunate. And we're glad all the rain has stopped. So I got to thinking about it. I felt bad last week. Uh, somebody said, well, why don't you start at the end of Ruth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great that you were studying Ruth. Good for you. <laughs> Yay. But how come you didn't share it with us? And that's just my own personal study. I, you know, I do my own uh, study in worship, and and uh, my family knows I I am testing the sound limits of the uh, of the sound system here, and I get to worshiping and and uh, and praying and studying, and and so that's when I do some some of my sermon preparation. But sometimes I just study 
on my own, just for nothing, just for nothing at all. And so this is one of those times that I didn't think about making it into a sermon. So I, I, you know, we get all kinds of different comments every week. It's, it's nice for some of the folks. It's very nice. Their comments are very nice and it's good to have them. Uh, good to have feedback. I always love that. But some of the comments were, Hey, why didn't you do uh, why didn't you do Ruth? That was really kind of cool. That, but you were at the end. Why'd you start at the end? So, you know, when I decided, I said, Hey, you know what? I can do this. Let me just go back to the beginning. And uh, so today is, is called You Can't You Can't Run from Your Problems. And this is Ruth uh, one through five. And I'm going to read the complete Jewish Bible. I'm going to read the, and then, but in there's first, you're going to hear King James and some new King James, some other stuff. And there's a reason why I do that. Back in the days when the judges were judging, I love how that sounds, right? Judges are judging. A judge will judge. <laughs> That's what judges do. Lars lie and judges judge. Judges lie too. Judges do lie too. Modern day judges, they sure enough do. Yeah. Back in the day when the judges were judging, at a time when there was a famine in the land, a certain man from Bethlehem, which is uh, Bethlehem, went to live in the territory of Moab, he, his wife, and his two sons. He, his wife, and his two sons. Now, let me just say this. I, uh, you know, he's, he's introducing us here to a fellow that we should pay attention to. Because when the Bible, when the, the, you know, the, the writers of the Bible decided somebody was important enough to mention, well, they were important enough to mention. And not just to mention, but to kind of study a little bit, see what, they, what they're up to. Why in the world, you know, why are they even in this? You, know, you ever, be, I don't, let me just share something with you. I'm writing a novel. Well, technically you have to be actually actively writing it. It's a thriller and I have 129 pages and we've had a test read and everybody goes ballistic over it. It's kind of a police thriller novel. And uh, of course, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I have to say when I read a book, if I'm going to take my time to read a book, I don't want to get a sense toward the second to last chapter. This fellow's tired of writing. This lady's tired of writing. You know what I mean? Have you ever read a book? Show of hands, anybody? You're reading the book. You're really into it. You're rolling along. You're like, ooh, this is good. I like this book. This book is nice. I can't wait to find out how it ends. I'm resisting the urge to read all the way, skip over to the back. Right? And then at the end, you're like, well, I should have skipped over to the back of chapter one. This fellow got sick of writing, and he just ended the book. You know? Well, the Bible isn't like that. The Bible is designed. It's actually a library of 66 books. And it's a fascinating uh, compilation of stories, really. And and some of them are, you know, they're illustrated. They, they illustrate certain things that we're to learn from those illustrations. Some of them, they're just illustrating an idea or, or a, a, a concept. And other ones are illustrating real events that really did happen. And now we're supposed to figure out, okay, well, what's that mean to me? Now, you guys know I'm really into Hebrew worldview and the culture and all this. And I just started reading some other stuff that I think uh, will really add to my preaching and make it more interesting. Uh, really, really studying the culture much deeper. And in my undergrad, my grad, and my postgrad, I had courses and all that. And I loved them. I was fascinated by them. You know, it's really, really interesting. But this book is from a guy who essentially was a Sunday school teacher for years, 20, 20, 30 years. And uh, he'd gone to Bible college and all this. And, and But after a while, he got to wonder, why do we do this? Why do we do that? 
And so he dug down deeper and he started taking Hebrew and started studying the culture and the land and land, the people, the land, land of the people. And he started thinking, hey, you know what? I've been taught some stuff here that's not accurate. And so little by little, we're going to interspersed some of that. And what's interesting to me is, is as we're studying scripture, this, this uh, 66 book library, contiguous library over the span of, of many, many hundreds of years, but they didn't have the internet either to coordinate with what they were writing, you know. Um, it just all flows together so beautifully. It's it's really something special. And and this guy, well, I'll go ahead and read it. Ruth one two. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and his two sons were named Mechlan and Kilion. And they were Ephraim from Bethlehem in Yehuda, which is they were from Bethlehem in uh, Judah. They arrived in the plain of Moab and settled there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, she and her two sons. They took wives for themselves from the women of Moab, and the, and the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, or Ruth, as we say in English. Um, you're going to hear me mention some things, by the way, in the live audience who's, who's heard me preach for all these years. Sometimes I will use the English name, and then I'll use what the actual name was. And, and just to be fair, uh, to everybody, sometimes those names don't sound a, a bit alike, do they? Sometimes you're like, well, how did they come up with that? You know, it's like when people come came over on Ellis Island from Italy or something. You know, my name is, uh, you know, Adriano Arbondrale, uh Semelicio. Well, you're you're Andy Bond. You know, they change his name, give him a name. It, it's not even remotely, you know, his name. And that's what that's what's happened with scripture. Now, you might say, well, it's not that important, just use the English name, because that's what people know. But the reality of it is, you wouldn't answer to, you know, if that wasn't your name. If I kept calling you Sam, you'd eventually take me aside and say, yeah, uh, my name is not Sam, it's Sean. Well, you know, in Hebrew, it's even different than that, because there's the there's the meanings, right? Hebrew names have meanings and how they got the name and all this stuff. So that's important, but also the other names the other names of things and the other words they use, it's very important to use the right word. And so little by little, I'm committed uh, over the next few months to really <clears throat> introduce you a little bit more to the accurate uh, Hebrew practices, the Hebrew words, the Hebrew culture, things like that, so that you have a, a more accurate picture of what was going on in context, if you will. So Elimelech, the Amazon, died, and she was left, she had two sons. They took wives for themselves from women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth or Ruth. They lived there for about 10 years. So that's, I mean, that's, 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 you put down some roots. I don't know how long you've lived where you live. Um, but, you know, I have to say, like one of the, the group here just got a new house, just moved in not that long ago and making it your home. You're making that your home. You're changing it from what it was, whoever's home it was before. But when you left your other house, you'd been in your other house a long time. How many here's lived in a place a long time and then suddenly have to move? How many here have lived in a long place, uh, a place a long time, and you have to move, and then you're starting to think, why do I even have this thing? Why do I still have this thing? Right? A bunch of hands going up. Right? We do that. We accumulate stuff. Well, it'd be reasonable that this guy had accumulated, and this family had accumulated things. Uh, then Mechlon and Kilion died. Man, the man's, the man's sons, both of his sons died. And I kind of glossed over this. I think it was last week. I glossed over a little bit. Both of his boys died. 
Well, who's that lead? Lee's mom. Who is supposed to in Hebrew culture take care of the the uh, the mom? Right, it's Mother's Day. Right, the sons are supposed to take care of the mom. That's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. And in lieu of sons, then there's a kinsman that comes along. Uh, you know, usually it's the brother-in-law or brother. You know, the brother, whatever. Somebody, somebody's going to come, uh, non-blood related, and take care of this woman. And but the purpose of it, and I kind of went too quick over this last week too, is the purpose of it was to continue the lineage, right? Continue the lineage. Let the lineage go on. And and lineage to some people is not important at all. And and to be to, to brutally honest with myself and with y'all, uh, that wasn't important to me either. But as far as scriptural lineage, I thought, yeah, I don't need to read this begat and so-and-so begat. But then, you know, you read that, and that's the footsteps. That's the traces. That's the relations that take you to Christ. You know, that's that's amazing. It's just so amazing. Just a cool, cool thing. But so though both of them died, and the woman was left with neither her two sons nor her husband. And I'm telling you, in this culture, that, that was tough. Things are tough now. You know, if a woman loses her husband and then her sons die, that's an awful, terrible thing. Absolutely. We can agree on that. But in this time, what did they do? They farmed for what? For daily food. They, they you know, they did store food, but they, and they sold food, and they, Traded food in the community, and that was a, a you know sometimes a currency. But they had the if you didn't farm, you didn't eat, right? They didn't have grocery stores. Everybody go to the grocery, except and, for Levites. Except for Levi, yeah. Well, here's the crazy thing: if you've been to Israel, you know, of course, Wes, you've been there. Uh, it's a kind of an arid place, isn't it? And some of the oh, that's right, Miss Charlotte, you've been there too. And how do you like all that walking? You know, some of that walking was pretty tough. And some of the places where they grew food was on a terrace. It was on a shelf, you know, and air dry and, you know, just you just wouldn't think of it. Yet the, the most successful uh, agriculturalists, if you will, in all of time have been who? The Jews. Hard to believe. Under such incredible circumstances. We're going to talk about why they were. But you know what? You, I'll tell you this. You can't run away from your, your problems. And right in here in Elimelech, we're introduced to a guy who he did. He tried He tried to run away. So Elimelech and his family, they lived during the days of the judges when the hard times hit. That was hard enough to live when everything was going well. But, boy, all of a sudden, you uh, you throw in there some famine. You know, it's hard enough to grow stuff. But when there's no rain, my goodness, man, hard just got harder. Super tough, super, 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 super tough. And so when these times, I think when all of us think about the hard times when they hit, what do we do? Well, folks that don't have God, guess what they can't do? Can't turn to God. You know, it always cracks me up when there's some major, that doesn't crack me up, makes me think. Uh, when there's some major event, uh, maybe there's a terrible event, uh, someone gets killed or uh, there's a terrible bus crash or somebody's home burns down and there's a kids or a tornado. That's a great example. You can always tell the ones who, uh, the, the, uh, the public leaders, you can always tell the ones who don't have a faith because they'll always say, you know, we need to put them in our, uh, thoughts and our, our thoughts and our prayers. Right. They say that and they feel awkward. You can tell they're a little bit nervous about saying prayers. You know, a lot of times they got a microphone in their face or, 20 microphones in their face, sometimes they're, they're just, they feel awkward about it. You can tell. 
But you know, uh, I really, really love, uh, it was a terrible time. You guys remember when those five um, Dallas police officers were murdered, right? That guy murdered all of them. And uh, yeah, there was a, there was a, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a, a riot. And they were just there trying to protect the rioters, you know, and protect the protesters, the decent people that were around, and try to protect the businesses. Of course, they're burning businesses down, breaking the windows and all. And then this guy, um, he just starts shooting police officers and executing them. It's just awful. But what I loved about it was the chief of police, who really an extraordinary guy, the chief of police, he, uh, you need a pillow? I got one. You sure? Yeah. Uh, uh, my, uh, the chief of police, he, well, he got up there, he was getting interviewed and he didn't say thoughts and prayers. He said, listen, folks here in Dallas and Texas and all over the country, we need your prayers. We, if you're praying people, we need you to pray because this is the toughest thing I've ever had to face as a police, as a law enforcement professional in all my years of doing this, this is the worst thing I've ever had to face. And he said, I need your prayers, and we need your prayers. And police officers all across the United States of America, we need your prayers. No talk of thoughts and prayers. I think that's interesting. I, I like that. Well, when tough times hit, we do one of two things. If we're people of faith, you know what? Sometimes people of faith do what? We turn to God. We go turn closer to God. And people of faith gather together in the faith community. Right? My friend Eric at the beginning. Now, I've known Eric since kindergarten. He's, I used to say he was the, he's the coolest guy at Cape and Logan High School. I did. The whole, the whole time I knew him. I, he is. He's a cool dude. And uh, I always used to say that. And he and I have been friends a long, long time. But, you know, you get the community and you get God involved in the community when you say, hey, we need to pray for this guy. We pray for him. We need to ask God to intervene. We need, we need to petition God to intervene. No matter, you know, what, what the income, outcome of it is, we want, we, we want God we we beseech we're praying for God to be involved in this. And that community come together, that community is turning to God. But you know, there's a lot of other people that turn away from God. Christians. How many people do you know, and, and, and don't name them out loud, but how many people do you know that were or are Christians and as soon as some tough thing came along, they they turned angry toward God. Uh, they they were um, well, I, I don't know, it's switched Flip the switch, you know, against God. They they were angry, they were mad at God, and more than that, they were mad at God, and they didn't mind telling everybody in the faith community that maybe they had come together before, and 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 sometimes the people in the faith community don't know how to act, right? We're we're a little bit stunned when somebody says, "Look, don't come around here with all that God talk. Don't come around here with all that God talk. I don't want to hear it. God has a plan. I don't want to hear He has a plan. I don't want to hear all that stuff. You know what? Because my loved one is still gone." This terrible thing still happened. And you know what? I don't see him intervening. Because if he was going to intervene, he should have intervened before the fellow robbed my husband. Or my wife, uh, you know, was robbed and killed or in a car crash and died. People ask me that all the time. They say, they say, did that impact your faith? Being in such a terrible car crash and having so many awful things happen to you. Um, you know, I'll tell you, if it weren't for God. That's for me. I mean, if it weren't for God, I, I have to tell you, there were times where I was laying there and thinking to myself, now what am I going to do? And then I remember, God's never let me down. There was a whole lot of people, weren't there? There was a whole lot of people let us down. But you know what? There was a band of believers that gathered together and literally fed my family. It was amazing. It was so amazing. 
And what joined them wasn't me, wasn't their knowing me. One of the couple barely knew me, and yet they really were in it to win it. They they really took beautiful care of us, and uh, just a professional affiliation. And I kind of, you know, didn't they didn't really know, but they they for whatever reason they blessed us. So, so my point in that is is it reminded us a, a, a smaller band than we expected. I guess reminded us of God's love because what united us wasn't, you know, they weren't there at the crash. They, you know, they weren't near, they, you know, they didn't see it happen. So that's, you know, witness, they weren't a witness to it. Uh, and some of them, we weren't terribly close. Some I've known since uh, fifth grade, you know, some I've known for a long time. And it was just so funny, you know, just so funny how, but the thing that united us is they were all believers. Some people don't do that. Some people, when that happens, they turn away from God. It happens to them. I don't know how many of you have ever had a terrible thing happen in your life, but you know what? Uh, that's a test of your faith. It sure is. And, it, and it's hard. Well, Elimelech did this. Elimelech, he, he went through some hard times. The famine was hard. Everything was difficult. Trying to get stuff to grow. Very, very difficult. And uh, instead of turning to God, he turned away from God. And he turned to the natural and 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 because of his decision really and this sounds bad to say nowadays you know you say this people think you're crazy but it's absolutely true especially in this time people uh needed to be so dependent on god that they they absolutely had to turn to god any aspect of their life even for the rain you know even for the rain the wind to subside and, and, you know, uh, just all kinds of things, you know, locusts and whatnot. There was just every little thing could come along and ruin everything. And so he, he made a conscious decision, made a conscious decision to, instead of turning to God, he turned away from God and he turned into the natural. And as a consequence of that, his family uh, and, and he paid just a terrible, terrible price. But here's the thing, there's there's desires that challenge our faith. There's things that come along. Now, it came to pass in the days when judges ruled. And uh, it's Ruth uh, 1-1. But it's important to understand the context of this time frame. The famine wasn't Elimelech's biggest problem, although there was a famine. The backdrop to the book of Ruth are the times that are known as the days when the judges ruled. This is what, in you know, and, and if you don't understand idiomatic speech, in Hebrew idiomatic speech, the Hebrew idioms, then you don't understand this was the time when they when they now came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. And what that means is uh, this was a period of great spiritual decline. Uh, folks were turning away from God in droves. I'll give you some examples here. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. That's Judges 2.11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam in the groves. That's Judges 3, 7. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. That's Judges 3, 12. You, you see what's happening here. God, because of disobedience of God's people, actually empowered the enemies of his people to overtake them, to win, to gain a victory. And I said, you know, just a few minutes ago, sometimes people look at us like we're crazy when we say, you know, we're petitioning God. We're, we're begging for God to get involved. And and uh, non-believers think that that's silly. That's just weird. You know, God doesn't change history. God doesn't 
you know, so why are you your petition? So if you petition enough, God's going to come get involved. Well, everybody in this room and everybody all across the world who's listening to this knows there are times where you have prayed. We've got cancer, uh, people that are fighting cancer right now. We've got people that are cancer survivors. We've got people that have been through divorce. We've got people that have been through uh, any number of things, uh, just terrible, terrible things, alcoholism and drug addiction and all these different things, and just terrible things that have happened in your life. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and you could have easily prayed and said, you know what, God? You weren't with me. Why didn't you keep me from this? Why didn't you keep me? I'll tell you, sometimes I, I have to believe the more I read scripture and the deeper I read scripture, the more I realize sometimes that bad stuff comes along to say, okay, which way are you going to go? Time to decide. No fence sitters. You can't be a fence sitter. At some point, you have to decide, resolve, and then you have to stand on your faith. In the case of Job, you know, we know that guy was. God loved Job. I mean, God was like, wow, this Job guy, he's awesome. And, the, you know, the enemy says, well, yeah, he's awesome because you've been so good to him. And they take away everything. God said, take away everything but his life. You'll see. He'll still honor him. You know, in, in modern society, natural society, we look at that and we say, that's nuts. Who would serve a God like that? But God is a God of order. We talk, Wes and I talk about Torah a lot. And Torah is is a series of observance and obedience. It's a it's a it's a way to live. If you really read Torah, you see it's a it's a way to live your life, and uh, it gave a great framework to people to live a certain way. They they said you know he said here this you do this you're gonna be okay, and they were, and they didn't and they weren't. Sounds crazy to people, but the fact of the matter is that sometimes God has empowered our enemy against us. Whether well, no matter what that is, it could be addiction, could be. Uh, bad people are brought into our lives. Could be doubts, could be fears, any number of things. Could be any number of things. Disease, and uh, and and everything changes when that when that the system gets upset. So during the times of the judges, men were self-sufficient, and that's an important word, self-sufficient. Uh, they they depended on themselves. They said, you know, I don't need God so much. They acted as if they didn't have a need for God, and but really, what they were self-sufficient sometimes can be. Kind of a positive. Why? Well, I, I take care of myself. Well, that's, you know what? That's true. We need more of that. We got, I'll just say, but too many wussy men in the world can't take themselves and take care of themselves and their family. They just, you know, they're afraid of everything and uh, they just don't know how to step up for themselves. But this word really might, maybe should have been self centered. Maybe it should have been self centered. They didn't care about God's will and they were self serving. They didn't live for God, but they lived for themselves. And this is how they did it. Judges 21, 25, I like this verse. The Bible says in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. How many times, that's Judges 21, 25. How many times have we done something we thought was right in our own eyes? Yeah. You know, I, you may say do this, but I'm do this. Sometimes it's, it's the exact opposite, right? And sometimes it's just a little different than what God commanded. It's just a little different. Doesn't have to be dramatically different. Sometimes we're all stuck on that. Sometimes I am too. Well, that's the exact opposite of what God said. Well, sometimes it's not the exact opposite. Sometimes it's just a little bit different, almost indiscernible in its difference. Those were the, and let me not to go beat on Torah too much, but that's why Torah was so important because it was prescribed. You do this. You don't do this and switch some things up. You do this. It's very clear. It's a very clear way of living. 
those were the days of great apostasy and wickedness, even in our own day. Now, there's a lot of people that they want to replace God, Yahweh, in their life. They want to, re they want to replace that. They, they don't want anything to do with Yeshua, Jesus. They don't want anything to do with him. They just want to do it their own way. Uh, they want to rule over their own life. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I think what happens is, is people, they live, and this sounds bad to say it this directly, but they live as though there is no God. Well, they had better hope there is no God, right? You live as though there's no God. Yeah. When the judgment time comes, you're going to find out there's a God. And guess what? He is a God of laws. He's a God of, of absolutes. And uh, But people live that way. And, and I always say, Ooh, I hope, boy, for your sake, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. There's no way to live. But you know what? Well, I can't point at somebody because I've been on that other side. I've been on that side where I live. Like, and sometimes we each... Each of us have our thing, right? There's everybody's got something that just knocks them down. And, and so we say, well, I'm going to harbor this one little thing. Um, you know, there are a lot of people. And back then, uh, during this time of Elimelech, uh, people, they they did what they wanted, how they wanted, wherever they wanted, whenever they wanted, didn't matter. They didn't even think about uh, what was right. In God's eyes, they no longer they 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 cast away what was right in God's eyes, and they said, "No, what matters to me is what's right in my eyes." And this is how it was in Elimelech's day. So there you have the background. So Elimelech, he must have been caught up in the spirit of the age, right? Sometimes, you know, what's going on uh, uh, culturally. We we think about what just happened in Delaware. Now, of course, it it uh, has to be voted on the other side of the house, but this this uh, late term abortion bill. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine a time where that would be something that would be discussed? That anybody would even consider it? There was a time, not that long ago, quite frankly, where you would be embarrassed to stand up in front of somebody and say, yeah, this is what I think we ought to do. Just horrible. And, you know, pass the one side of the House or one side of the legislature in Delaware uh, by one vote. By one vote. Terrible. Just terrible. So this is what was going on. And, and Elimelech, we know that his heart was far from God at this time. And, you know, there's shrapnel that comes from that, quite frankly. So the difficulties that confront our faith. There was a famine in the land. Famines, we haven't had to deal with a whole lot of it here. But, you know, you know anybody in Texas? We People fail, fail to realize there's some places in this country, they either have for many, many years had not enough rain. And there are some places in this country that are underwater right now. And, you know, we live in our part of the world, even though we're so connected, we are so connected uh, that we, you know, you'd think we would know and, and be more attentive. But listen, right around St. Louis, Missouri, I think it was, there was just whole towns underwater. We don't even hear about it. Uh, last year, I think it was, uh, there in Appalachia, there was there was whole towns underwater. There was scores of people dead and missing. You didn't barely even hear about it on the news. You heard about stupid stuff. You you know you'd know what a sports star was doing, but you wouldn't know that hey, people have lost their lives in their homes and, and all that stuff. And I guess a lot of times it, it depends. Facebook. It depends. Oh, there you go, Facebook. That's how you. That's how you know. That's how you know. You know people. That's right. Social media. That's Facebook. And and yeah, we can't hear it on the news. We don't hear it on the news because it doesn't. It doesn't, it, it's not, it, it doesn't impact them. They're not concerned about it. 
What'd you say about ice cream? So, so famines, they're harsh and they're difficult to endure. And these were difficult times in Bethlehem, Judah. Uh, difficulties, they often confront our faith. And we do, in those times of difficulty, we, we, we either strengthen our faith or we spoil our faith. We either strengthen it or we spoil it, whatever. Whichever way we go, it's, it's either going to strengthen it, make it better, make it stronger, or it's going to spoil it. I'm sorry, people are saying spoil it. But where I'm from, we say spoil you spoiled. That boy spoiled. Spurled. Yeah. That boy spurled. So it's either going to strengthen our faith or spoil our faith. And and you got to notice how Elimelech responded to the difficulties that confronted his faith. He failed to accept his responsibility. And the thing is, is look, there's weather, right? We know there's weather. And whether, whether or not we accept it. I just thought that was really funny. Uh, I have to tell you things that I say are really funny because you wouldn't get it otherwise, yeah. right? I have to give you that tip. Such highbrow humor. Uh, but whether or not we accept it, you know, right now there's this big going on about um, climate change. And I'm not going to make this a political discussion. But there's some that say, hey, 97% of all scientists agree, consent, that, you know what? Uh, man is collapsing know the climate man man uh is causing damage to the climate and they'll say that and they say with absolute conviction and then there's there if they can get a microphone put in front of their face the the scientist who says you know that's just simply not true and what's interesting i know people in alaska not just uh ak uh cog but i know i know people in alaska that live you know where the ground's frozen all the time and they depend on uh, certain temperature variations and they've lived there a long time and they say you know what i don't understand all this talk about you know because they don't have a television but they when they come back to this part of the united states they say i'm watching a show is telling me how the polar bears are all dying because the ice caps are melting and they've got no way to get from places and all all these terrible terrible things the ground is warming and all this stuff and they say man they need to come with me they need to bring a film crew with me because that's not at all what's happening. So we have this, right? We have this discussion. But this is a different thing. God's people bear the responsibility for the conditions in which they live, which goes to attitude. And I have to say I'm very fascinated by this because as it relates to attitude, have you ever been in a situation where times were tough, but for whatever reason, your attitude was really good? Now, I'm going to use YouTube as an example. When I went down and you were about to have that surgery, um, the the uh, the one doctor that came in, she just kind of shook her head and she said, "Boy, don't they have the best attitude? Don't they have the best attitude when she's walking out of the room?" And and I love that because you know, hey, I'm in this. It's going to be a tough thing, but you know, I'm gonna get through it. I'm gonna get through it. And one way or another, God is in control. And so the attitude really uh, really makes a big difference. But what do we get stuck on? We get stuck on blaming who? We blame the president. We blame the government blame Congress, which is probably mostly their fault. Um, we blame bars for alcohol problems. We blame uh, drug dealers for drug problems and all these other things. This is who we blame. But the fact of the matter is, is that we should blame ourselves very frequently. You know, a, a late-term abortion bill would never, as I just alluded to, it would never make it, nobody would ever be brave enough. Uh, to bring that to the floor of the legislature in any any state. 
if we believers decided, resolved, and stood and said, no, no, I didn't send you there for that. And if we did it enough, the prevailing culture would be a, rather a culture of life rather than a culture of death. But we don't do that. We just haven't done that. They're not afraid of us. They have no fear of us. They'll, they have impunity, they feel, to do whatever they want. And what happens is when we fail to walk with God, we we remove, we contribute to the removal of God's blessings. Remember that one verse he, he said in Judges. He said, you know, basically to paraphrase, I helped the enemy beat you because you weren't obedient. Sometimes that happens. So he removes our, our blessing in order to get our attention. And if ye will not for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron. And I'll make your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase. Neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. Leviticus 26, 18 through 20. I don't think it gets a whole lot clearer than that, does it? I mean, that's pretty darn clear. And then, but if it, if it, but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. That's Deuteronomy 28, 15. I think there's a reason why a lot of postmodern Western evangelical pastors don't want to study nor preach any part of the Old Testament. Because, let's face it, it feels better, and people seem to like it better, if you preach all New Testament. Right? We won't talk about being redeemed. We will talk about saved and miracles and, you know, healed blind and, and this and that. And they, you know, in the grave three days, and boom, it's ain't it grand. But the only reason why the New Testament makes any sense is because of the Old Testament. The Old Testament. You know, a person will tell you how, how blessed they are to be rich. You know, man, God has just so provided for me. You know, um, that story loses a little bit of shine if you find out, hey, they've been rich their whole life. They were born into a rich family, got richer as you go, and then guess what? They inherited gobs of money, and, and they're even richer now. So it's hard to believe that person would ever. You know, the people that, you know, they just never had to struggle for anything in their life. But you know, I'm going to tell you something. I've known some very famous people, and this is something I find very, very interesting. I, one of these days I'm going to study it is, is that, the dynamic of people who seem to have had every blessing, every silver spoon. You know, they didn't have a silver spoon. They didn't weren't born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They were born with a whole drawer full of silver in their mouth, right? Stuffed in every pocket and whatnot. They, you know, they seem like. And then you see people. I was watching a thing the other day on uh, who knows who Steven Tyler is. Anybody know who he is? Right, Aerosmith, the band, rock and roll guy. He's almost seventy years old, still rocking. Well, you know, Stephen Tyler came to faith. Most people don't know this. It wasn't widely publicized, but he did. Still has his struggles. You know, he was addicted to heroin and cocaine and all these other things. Really, really a, a, a hardcore drugs and alcohol guy. And he came to Christ. He placed his faith in Christ, and he started into rehab and, and all this stuff. And, and, and this story talked about people not realizing the struggles. And he was super rich, you know. But he had a daughter that didn't want anything to do with him, yet she wanted to be just like him. Uh, many, many, many uh, exes and just so, so much turmoil he built into his life. And you think, wow, this guy's got hundreds of millions of dollars. Wouldn't it life be easy for him? He's got people to cook for him. He's got people to clean for him. He's got people to drive in places. 
he didn't really have to figure out anything. All his clothes are clean by somebody else, you know. Uh, he didn't have to wash a dish. Life should be easy. Why in the world is he doing this? And he started to talk about it. And I thought this is this is an interesting thing. For the longest, I would say that that was a very ungrateful person. Boy, he's not grateful. Isn't that a shame how ungrateful that person is? Then the more I listened to him, and I've, I've heard others personally tell their story uh, face to face with me, and, I, and I've uh, been struck by the fact that um, sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes they, they had hurts, habits, and hangups that, you know, made their whole process a little bit harder, made it a lot harder. So, uh, but anyhow, oh, switching to the chairs. That's a good husband. I'll switch a chair with his wife. Anyway, let's go back to this. And, and thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. In other words, it ain't going to rain. From heaven it shall come down upon thee until thou wilt be destroyed. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field and shall gather but little in. For the locust shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them and shalt neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes. For the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coasts. But thou shalt not anoint thyself with oil for thine olive shall cast its fruit. That's Deuteronomy 28, 23 through 24 and 38 through 40. Tough times. God promised there would always be plenty in the land as long as Israel was obedient. And we can see over and over and over when Israel is obedient, things were great. They're disobedient. They got not so great pretty quick. And the famine really was a result of the disobedience of God's people. And Elimelech, he bore some responsibility of the famine. Look, he was a well-known guy. He was wealthy. He had plenty. You know, he's a well-known, well-known person. And he did all right. And I think the lack of revival here in America is the result of God's people, but not meeting his conditions for revival. You say there's certain things that have to be met. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear the land, heal their land. Now, you notice God didn't command the drunkard to sober up. He didn't do that. He didn't command the harlot to clean up her act. He didn't command the drug addict to stop taking drugs. He didn't command the angry to stop being angry. He didn't command the bars to close up. He didn't know that. What he said here was, the people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then. It's that simple. Obedience to him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Seems so simple. He commanded believers to confess up. God doesn't send revival based on the condition of the land. He sends revival based on the condition of his people. And the famine that touched the lives of Elimelech's family, that was God's judgment. It was God's judgment upon the land because they had forsaken fellowship with God. They said, hey, you know what? We know how to do better. We know how to do better here. We're going to do better. Guess what? That's what we're going to do. And Elimelech fell into that category, too, and he failed to recognize and accept the fact that he was part of the problem. But not only did he fail to accept his responsibility, he failed to act upon the remedy. Look, our God is a good God, and he wants fellowship with us and to bless us beyond measure. He wants to overflow our cup, right? <clears throat> he doesn't just want us to have a little. He wants us to have abundance. But we get in the way of that. We get in the way of that. We absolutely do. 
God had given his people clear instructions as to what to do and what he expected from them. You shall make no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. In other words, don't have any idols. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. You shall keep my Sabbaths. How many people do you know don't they don't keep a Sabbath anymore? Whether it's Saturday or Sunday, they don't keep a Sabbath at all. Whether it's Friday, they don't keep a Sabbath. There's no Shabbat. They don't. They they don't have a Sabbath. They don't even think about a Sabbath. Well, if only this. It's right here. It's plain as that. Plain as the nose on my face. We have a big nose, so that's pretty clean. <laughs> you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes, keep my commandments and do them, then. I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield her fruit. And you and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely, and I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down. None shall make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land, and you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. That's Leviticus 26, 1 through 9. Doesn't get any plan. Can we, can we all agree? Doesn't get any plan. There's no plan in that. He even said, and I love how he does this in here. He even said, look, you have an enemy of 100. I'll, here's five. Just pick a number. A little tiny amount. How many times in the history, in Israeli history, do we see cases where there's that one case where six, six men, six soldiers, fought 300 soldiers on a mountainside, and the, and the, Later, when they gave up, when the 300 gave up, they said, my goodness, what was the, what caused you to turn? They said, did you not see the thousands of soldiers? Did you not see? It was six people. This is modern day, by the way. This is not, you know, don't think God doesn't act, boy. Why? Because his, his six soldiers, God's six soldiers were up on that mountain praying to God. They trusted God. They said, God, you've got this. We trust you. This, the testimony that they give says, you know, we didn't know at the time why they turned and, and surrendered and left and, you know, ran off and whatnot. We just knew that they did. And then interviewing some of the ones who were taken prisoner, they said, yeah, this is why. they Did you not see the thousands? Holy moly. I don't think they said holy moly. That's my artistic license there. God never intended for his people to, all, to be wayward and defeated. The only reason that America doesn't burst forth into a mighty revival is because God's people don't walk with them. And we're guilty, too. We're guilty, too. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. 1 Peter 4, 17. The house of God. Judgment will come to the house of God. Churches all across this country, are we're bringing judgment upon ourselves. It's starting there. I think that's how we lost liberty. We lost liberty and freedom. In the churches, I think it started there. It started at the pulpit of the churches. He didn't want us to be wayward. He didn't want us to be defeated. In Psalm 37, 3, uh, God has no desire to starve his people, by the way. Some folks will say, well, how in the world could he do that? 
Yeah, it's not his desire. It's not what he does, but he'll do whatever it takes to get our attention. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. In other words, that's Psalm 27 or 37. Um, you do what you're told to do, you're going to be all right. You obey, you're going to be okay. The famine was the chastisement of God aimed at getting his people's attention and turning back to himself. Elimelech would have nothing to do with repentance. This guy said, mm -mm, no, nope, no, thank you. I'm good by myself. Look how rich I am. And so what he tried to do is he tried to run from God's correction. He tried to run from that. You can't outrun God. I'm telling you, that's, that's just a fool's errand right there. The Bible declares this. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsakes them shall have mercy. That's Proverbs 28, 13. And there's churches full of Elimelechs today all over this country. And when their sins found out, they pack up, right? Something happens in the church, they pack up, and they do what? They go to another church. Could be a small thing, could be a big thing, but they, they just get up and go. You know, it's, it's so easy to change churches, you know. Nowadays, it's super, super easy to change churches because there's no, there's nothing to it. You know, you just show up at another church. Just show up at another church and blend in for a while. And then you say, well, you know, I'd like to talk to you about what's the thing we used to do at my old church. So it was really good. You ought to try it. And then the preacher, if he's wise to him, says, hey, you know, didn't you leave that other church that was, you know, why'd you leave the other church so good? You want to, you want us to be like them? What are you going to do when we're like them? Are you going to leave? You know, I like a bold preacher that will approach people like that. I know a few like that. So Elimelech, you got to understand, he was an, a landowner in, in Bethlehem or Bethlehem in Yehuda or Judah. He was pretty well off. He could have weathered the hard times, folks. He could have he could, he could have gotten through this if he was obedient with both relatively small problems. No big deal. He didn't have to leave Bethlehem due to lack of food. He had enough money. He had enough resources. He didn't have to. Uh, Boaz didn't leave, right? And he survived the famine. Boaz had no intention of leaving. He survived the famine. But Elimelech, here's where he got into trouble. Elimelech, he left the place where God had put him. He left, he said, look, there's something that's more important to me than your will, God, and I'm going. And he did. And he left, and we see how it went. Elimelech's biggest problem wasn't the famine. I don't know if you remember, but I've said this several times. It wasn't, this is a hint, what I'm going to say next. It wasn't the famine, but his desires of a depraved heart. And there are many of us, there, there are, uh, and, and I'm in this group. I am in this group. I'm, I'm not for a moment going to kid you and let you think that I'm not. Uh, sorry about the microphone popping. I'm, I apologize for that. Hopefully it's better. Um, I, you know, the, the thing is, is when we choose our path, we choose our path. We choose what we want to do. We say, no, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. What you say over here, I'm doing this. There's always a cost for it, right? And I always use the example. I use this example with my son. I say, you know, the boss tells you to do something. And even if it's not really the smartest thing to do, I've had some dumb, who in here has had some dumb bosses? They tell you to do, they tell you to do something. You think to yourself, why in the world they tell me to do this? This is just so stupid. Any fool could see but the problem is they're the boss. So what do you do? You do what you think is right or you do what the boss tells you. One thing you'll never get in trouble for, justly get in trouble for, is the boss tells you to do this. Now somebody's going to get hurt. You have to step up and say, 
I don't know if you thought about this, but this will cause the place to blow up. <laughs> yeah, you might, right? You want me to weld where? <laughs> How about we shut the gas off? You we'll know, to like, walk up with me while. Yeah. How about you come with me while I do it? You know, stand next to me. That'll be good. Nice you know, but but sometimes we have to step up. We have to say, hey, you know what? This is this is something we got to you know we got to talk about here. I'm not trying to usurp your authority, but. And then sometimes you just got to do it. And something that makes sense, you know, something God's not that dumb boss. God's not the dumb boss. Yahweh's not the dumb boss. He's the, he, he knows he sees around corners. He created the corners. He sees it above his ways are higher than our ways. He sees it and knows what's coming. But what do we do? We think, we think we're above it. We think we're stronger. We think we're better. We think we're wiser. And so we choose our own path. We figure out, well, I want to do this. Then what happens? Then we saw what happened to Limelight. Now, last week, you have to go back. If you just tuned in this week, you didn't last week, you have to go backwards a little bit and listen to how the story ends up. It ends up beautifully with the kinsman redeemer. You know, Boaz, stepping out, stepping up, going and getting him some land and getting him a wife. You know, it's a beautiful story. I thought, well, that story always touches me. Eh? How he did. That's just really, really something. I thought it was so cool how I did it. So if you want it to make sense, then you, what you might not do is just go back there and listen to it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Free of charge. And how about you share this with somebody? Share the link with somebody that might need to hear it. Um, somebody said, I, should I share this with my pastor? <laughs> he's not going to be happy with you if you do. If you're sharing it with him because you think he needs to learn a little something, not that I know anything more than anybody else, but he might, if he does listen, he's not going to be happy with it. He's going to be trying to He might show you an unhappy face. Mm -hmm. We've seen that before. I have an unhappy face. I show it sometimes when I'm not paying attention. Hey, listen, thank you all for listening. It's awesome that you do. I know you, you have, Sunday it's Mother's Day, and the folks that tune in, thank you so much for doing that. It's awful sweet of you. Um, I'm blessed by it. I, it's an honor. I, I love hearing from all over the world. Some of the people, they send me uh, uh, Myanmar. Somebody sent me a, an email from Myanmar <laughs> this week. Myanmar. Burma, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I couldn't believe it. They listened to one of the shows, not the one last week, so but another one. That's kind of cool. That's a neat thing. I think it's so fascinating. Anyway, if you could, I'm just going to remind you, pray for our brother Don. Uh, he really needs your prayer urgently, and my buddy Chris. Chris really needs your prayer. Also, for Carson, Carson had pretty major surgery this week. Seems to be improving, but he really needs our prayer as well. Lots to pray for, lots of time. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow the show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.